Well, welcome back to the Bible Reading Challenge podcast. My name is Aaron Ventura, and this is episode six of our Reader's Guide to the Book of Revelation. You can find a written version of this episode along with a bunch of other free resources over at localchristendom.com. And if you have questions or other feedback, you can email me at aaronventura at gmail.com. In Revelation 6, Christ the Lamb begins to open the seals from the scroll in chapter 5. Six of the seven seals will be opened in this chapter. And then in chapter 7, God's people will be sealed. And then in chapter 8, we will have the opening of the seventh and final seal of the scroll. When the first four seals are opened, one of the four living creatures says, Come and see. Then John sees, corresponding to each seal, First, a white horse, then a red horse, then a black horse, and then a pale or green horse, and upon each horse a rider. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse that have become famous in pop culture. The identity of these horsemen is a notoriously difficult question, with some commentators identifying them as demonic emperors or the Antichrist, while others identify them as Christ and the Church. With such seemingly antithetical interpretations, we should proceed cautiously through this text. After the four horsemen go forth at the breaking of the first four seals, the fifth seal is opened, and John sees the souls of the martyrs crying out from beneath the altar, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? In response to this cry, each martyr is given a white robe and told to rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. The chapter ends with the opening of the sixth seal, which brings about many of the things that Jesus prophesied would come upon the land in his Olivet Discourse. Compare the following with Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? That's Revelation 6, 12 to 17. We can see in the opening of these seven seals a pattern of decreation that corresponds to the seven days of creation in Genesis 1. Peter Lightheart draws attention to these parallels, saying, The first horse is dazzling white, like the light of day one. The red horse divides and separates like the firmament of day two. Grain and fruit trees sprang from the earth on day three, and the rider on the black horse depletes grain, though fruit trees and vines are protected. The rider on the green horse is death, and Hades comes with him. Like the sun and moon, death and Hades have authority over the earth. When the lamb breaks the fifth seal, a swarm of martyrs appears under the altar, their prayers ascending like smoke. They are given robes. Swarming things, incense, and clothing are all linked with day five. The sixth seal reveals humanity, humanity doomed, the first fruits of a new humanity protected, the eschatological humanity doing what humanity was created to do, worshiping before the one who spreads his tabernacle over them. Like the account of the sixth day in Genesis 1, the sixth seal is considered longer than the other seals. 
The silence of the seventh seal, as well as the prayers of the golden altar, link it with the Sabbath of day seven, the Sabbath that closes the week of the seals and simultaneously begins the week of trumpets. The opening of the seven seals is the first shock of what will become more progressively intense judgments. We are told, for example, that death and Hades are given power over a fourth of the land. Later, when the trumpets begin to blow in chapter 8, judgment falls on a third of the created order. And then when we get to the bowls in Revelation 16, they are poured out on the entirety of creation. When we get to these future chapters, we will explain how these were fulfilled in the first century. But for now, let's look at the historical fulfillment of these first six seals. Contrary to some commentators who believe these seals take place simultaneously or are merely themes of what will take place leading up to Jerusalem's destruction, I believe the historical effects of these seven seals do take place in chronological order and are prior in history to the trumpets and bowls of later chapters. However, in order to time these seven seals, we will need to come to a decision on the identity of the four horsemen. Who are they and what do they represent? To this difficult question, we now turn. The most common answer to this question of the four horsemen when we survey church history is that the first horseman is Jesus, and then the following three horsemen signify war, famine, and death. The other most common answer is that these are satanic or demonic powers who possess or influence a Roman emperor, and then there is a difference of opinion over which emperor each horseman refers to. So let me lay out what I believe are the strongest arguments in favor of each view and then tell you which interpretation I take. Alright, so here are what I think are some of the strongest arguments in favor of seeing Jesus as the first horseman riding upon the church. First of all, in Revelation 19, Jesus is riding on a white horse. So perhaps this image in Revelation 6 is that same horse and rider. Second argument, the rider is wearing a crown and goes out conquering. This is the same Greek word that was used in the letters to the seven churches for overcoming or conquering. Argument number three, white is used without exception elsewhere in Revelation 14 times as a sign of purity or holiness. Fourth argument, in Zechariah 1, 8 to 10, it says, I saw by night and behold, a man riding on a red horse, and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow, and behind him were horses, red, sorrel, and white. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. And then in Zechariah 6, there is a similar scene of chariots and horses. And there, the four chariots are identified as, quote, the four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. And then, if you jump ahead to Zechariah 10.3, it says, For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horse in the battle. So there is one clear example of a horse being likened to the people of God and God as the rider upon them. The question then becomes, does this apply to the four chariots or spirits of heaven, or is that a different symbolic package? What is the relationship between Zechariah 10 and Zechariah 6 and Zechariah 1? Are these all talking about the same thing or is something different going on? 
So taking all those arguments together, many commentators identify Jesus as the white rider and then identify the horse as the church or even the apostles. James Jordan and Peter Lightheart go further and apply this to the other three horses, saying that Jesus is also the one riding the red horse, the black horse, and even the pale horse. And the plagues that they bring are the effects of the gospel going forth as described in the book of Acts. Let's look now at the arguments in favor of the horsemen being demonic powers. So, in agreement with the view above that takes Zechariah as background to this text, this position would point out that the horses in Zechariah are identified together as being the same in nature, so it is more likely that the riders are either all holy or all evil, which actually Jordan and Lightheart would agree with. If the fourth horseman is called Death and Hades, and we take those to be forces of darkness, it would suggest that the other three horsemen are demonic as well. Additionally, a targum of Zechariah 6, 1-8 identifies the horsemen as the evil angels of the four pagan kingdoms of Daniel 2 and 7. Since we have already seen that Daniel's visions are part of the context of Revelation 5 and following, it would not be surprising for these horsemen to have the same association as we find in Zechariah. So ultimately, it comes down to how do you interpret Zechariah 6, and whether or not those angels there are holy or demonic. The language of these horses walking to and fro upon the earth is found elsewhere in the book of Job to describe Satan. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. So I think this is a strong argument in favor of seeing these horsemen as evil forces, like Satan, that answer to God and do his bidding. A second argument is that although the language of conquering is used in the letters to the seven churches, it is also used later in the book to describe the beast oppressing the saints. So conquering can be both a positive and negative image in Revelation. A third argument is that Revelation 12 and 13 portray Satan and his minions as using deception, especially through imitation of Christ's appearance. So it would not be surprising to find a counterfeit white rider before the revelation of the true white rider later in chapter 19. Moreover, in the Olivet Discourse, the first warning that Jesus gives is to take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. It was common for Roman emperors to exalt themselves as gods, and many Christians were martyred for refusing to confess that Caesar is Lord. Perhaps this white rider is an example of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.14, that even Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Jesus says, do not be deceived. Finally, the language of power and authority being given to the riders seems to contradict what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18-20 and the scene we just saw in Revelation 5, where the Lamb is said to already possess all authority and power. It would seem strange then if the horsemen are Jesus for Jesus to be giving himself what he already possesses. Furthermore, this language of it was given to them is used later in Revelation 8 and Revelation 13 to refer to authority that is granted to a lesser demonic power. So I believe this latter interpretation makes the most sense of the passage. Jesus is the Lamb who opens the seven seals, and He is the one who sends forth these demonic four horsemen to execute His judgments. These demonic spirits then possess four successive Roman emperors, which we can identify using external sources on Jewish and Roman history. This is similar to what we find in 1 Kings 22, where God says to His heavenly host, 
Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So God uses evil and lying spirits in his heavenly host to inhabit false prophets and tear down kingdoms. We see also in the book of Job that God uses Satan to afflict his most beloved and righteous servants. God also sent the Apostle Paul a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, so that his power would be made perfect in Paul's weakness. All demonic and evil powers are subject to Jesus Christ, and I believe we are seeing the same theme play out with these four horsemen. So let's talk now about the timing of these seven seals. When did this happen in history? If we are correct in seeing these four horsemen as demonic powers, then we can look for clues as to the timing and identity of the rulers they possess or influence. Since this whole scene begins in the aftermath of the ascension of Christ in AD 30, I believe the first horseman possessed the Roman Emperor Tiberius who was reigning at that time. And then the other three horsemen possessed or influenced the three emperors who followed, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero. We know from external sources the dates in which these Caesars reigned, but we can also harmonize this chronology with the book of Acts. For example, we have a clear connection in Acts 11.28 that says, Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Remember that the third seal is the black horse and rider, which brings famine. And so this would support our identification of Claudius as being the third rider. There are many other details that we could look at from external sources that readily connect with what John sees in each seal. If you want to explore this further, I would recommend reading Philip Kaiser's sermons on this chapter. Dr. Kaiser has also noted that there are remarkable similarities between the description of these four horsemen in Revelation 6 and coins that we have from antiquity that bear each emperor's image. I have put pictures of these coins on my website, but you can search these for yourself on various numismatics websites. If these similarities are more than a coincidence, a first century audience would know immediately who John was talking about and that was signified by the description of each horseman. So let me give you just a verbal description of some of the coins that we have and which you will find on the website. So first of Tiberius, the first seal, the first rider, we have him wearing a laurel crown and riding in a quadriga. And if you don't know what a quadriga is, it is a chariot that is pulled by four horses. Second, we have a coin of Caligula with the flying horse Pegasus, who is usually portrayed as white or black, but is often colored red in various artifacts. So he would be the second seal or the second rider. Then we have a coin of Claudius, and this is one with him holding a pair of scales in his hand, which is exactly what Revelation describes this third rider as holding. And then fourth, we have Nero. And there are a lot of coins of Nero. I looked through hundreds of these, and I've posted one that has uh, Nero on one side, and then on the flip side of the coin, there is the god 
Hades riding in a quadriga, and he is carrying Persephone, who he abducts and rapes. And in Roman religion, Persephone was the goddess of death or the goddess of the underworld. So death and Hades and Nero all on the same coin. So there are also coins with Nero riding upon a horse, and you see one that has him and another horseman right behind him. So really interesting stuff looking into these coins, and it's possible this is just purely coincidental. On the other hand, in God's providence, perhaps he wanted us to have these to give us more insight into this book. So let me summarize and try to bring this all home. Uh, my view is that the four horsemen are demons that possess four successive Roman emperors, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero. Some of the historical effects of these four seals can be seen in the book of Acts, which runs from Christ's ascension in AD 30 to Paul's house arrest in Rome in AD 59. And furthermore, by comparing this time period with what we find in extra-biblical sources like Josephus, Suetonius, Tacitus, etc., we can fill out more of these details. We should note that according to Acts 25.11, Paul appealed to Caesar, who was Nero at the time, to adjudicate the Jews' charges against him. Paul knew that Jesus was in control. He is the Lamb who sits upon the throne, and even these demonic emperors must do the Lamb's bidding. Altogether, the seven seals span the historical time period from AD 30 to AD 66, and you can see a chart of this on the website. AD 66 is a crucial year in the chronology because that is when seals 5, 6, and 7 are opened. I believe this was also the year that the book of Revelation was written. At the opening of the fifth seal, the martyrs cry out for vengeance but are told to rest for a little while longer. This marks the beginning of the Great Tribulation. The sixth seal then brings about cosmic destruction events that draw on Old Testament symbolism for the fall of an empire, and which I believe also really took place in history. A great earthquake, comets or stars falling from the sky, mountains and islands moved by tsunamis, etc. In the next episode, we will look at Revelation 7, which is a continuation of this sixth seal. And until next time, keep on reading.